Shall we begin? Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the first thing you It's time. It's time. Yeah, you need to say it's time. Stay calm. Help. I need somebody. Help. Don't ask me a question. If you don't want to hear what my answer is, I'm going to answer it. Not just anybody. Help. You know I need someone. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the most important show of your month. It's shock therapy. This is the this is the one where we get a little bit more serious than the others. It's the best of the, best time of the month, as opposed to the worst time of the month. Right. I thought you were gonna say it's the worst. I was like, no, no, and you said it's the best. So yeah, no, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's the best time of the month. <laughs> As you've heard, Jay West is in the studio. Pastor Jay West, I should say. What an honor to be here on the Vent Lab. So you uh, uh, you're here every week, so or every oh, yeah, month. Yeah. Every month. <laughs> Good point. Shows up this time of month every month. All right, I'm gonna mute Pretty you consistent. for a while. <laughs> this is the show where we uh, we answer the questions that have been sent to us, and uh, maybe or may not answer some questions that weren't sent to us that we found on the internet. But if you want to send us some questions, 816-787-1511 is the number to do so. It's totally anonymous. I will tell you that not one of the questions tonight was one that I found on the internet. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. That's pretty awesome. It is awesome. I have a question. Okay. First of all, can I just say, your mustache and beard is on point. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I have a question. Well, first of all, can I say <laughs> your beard and mustache hey, is on I'm point. just staying consistent with how I, I normally approach question, things. I have a question, but I'm not going to ask a question. So the question I'm is, I'm going to make a statement. How are and you then feeling? I'm make a question. How are you feeling about the said monkey tail beard mustache from last week's Vent Lab? So, for those of you who don't know, <laughs> during our live stream last Friday, uh, we set a wager, and you guys donated money and reached our goal and so nathan's face got shaved into a monkey tail it's pretty awesome um i'll tell you what i'm wearing masks more it's a good thing <laughs> i mean i mean i let me thank you for clarify because i was wearing them before public spaces but now you're wearing them indoors you know yeah, yeah pretty much <laughs> how does that make you feel watching tv <laughs> let me okay maybe i should just rephrase it this way it is way easier to remember my mask. <laughs> I don't leave my car. Sometimes I just drive with the mask on. I don't look at other people. I definitely am not breathing on other people. Okay, hey, that's pretty cool. Do you avoid mirrors right now? Yeah. yeah when I people do. start laughing, do you know what it's automatically for? Uh, I pretend I don't. I admit, I forgot that that we shaved your face on Friday. Mm-hmm. And, and when you walked into my house, I was like, oh, your face, I forgot. <laughs> uh, oh, hey, hey, hi. Uh, I forgot about that thing on your face. So you, ju- you have to keep this facial hair until yeah. we return from Hawaii, which is in a week and a half. Yeah. Uh-huh. But by the time you get back, it will be, it will have been two weeks. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, again, unless tail. we get quarantined in Hawaii, Ooh, then you have to keep the facial man. hair for for that length. That of is time. a possibility. Right. Think about that. I. By I the way, we're leaving it. for Hawaii in a couple days. Uh, no, yay. not a couple days. In a day. In a Whoa. day. Can you believe that. We're leaving in one day. Thanks Thank for you. bragging. No, no, that's we're not... celebrating. If you're not celebrating with us, I'm sorry. All right. Should we get started on the questions? Mm-hmm. JOS, what's the first question? And you ever felt like those moments? Yeah. <laughs> you're like, I can't believe I've already been this long at my job. I remember back in college, whenever I was working at the golf course, and I was really excited about all the hard work. You know, when you're when you're putting in the hard work, Nathan, have you uh-huh. felt this way? Yeah. Rebecca, have you felt this way? I put in hard work. The three hours. And then you get time. a. Well, hold on, I'm getting to the point. And then you get the bonus. You're like, whoa, I'm getting a pay raise or pay increase. This has nothing to do with the question. This is the first question. Three and it comes back. Hours later. Okay. <laughs> okay. So you get the pay raise. Do you this person said, I don't know if I should be thankful for this pay raise or not, because it wasn't Here's what the I was question. expecting. <laughs> so this person's been asking for a pay raise for a really long time. Oh. They finally got one dollar, even though a really long time ago they were promised more than that. 
they didn't get anything. And now all of a sudden they got a dollar and they're feeling kind of like they're not real thankful for it. And they want to know, should I be thankful for this dollar raise? Just be happy with that and walk away? Or am I okay to be upset about that? The question (laughs) (laughs) that has yet to be read. (laughs) My boss recently gave me a $1 raise after having worked there for four years. For context, I was told they gave uh, yearly raises when I started. Am I wrong for being more upset than uh, grateful for the raise I got? That's basically just what I summarized. Um, I mean, and I gave an analogy. No, you, know? you were way you were off. I think definitely college and by the end of this hour <laughs> podcast, we would have made it to that question. Um, but regardless, here we are. So they got they got a one dollar raise, long overdue, maybe. But they're just feeling bitter rather than grateful. Is that okay? Do they have the right to do that? Should they just take it and accept it? I wouldn't say bitterness. I don't think that's a good thing. My question is, did this person not have a conversation with their supervisor before that time? Because if it's been four years, they were promised to raise every year. Was there a conversation there? They did not specify. I think it. if that didn't happen, then you have no right to complain about it because mm. you have every right to go to your supervisor and ask for that. Now, if they promised it and then you went and talked to them and they're like, well, yeah, oh, sorry, uh, don't feel like it this year. And then they say the same thing next year and then the same thing next year. And then they finally give you a dollar raise. I can't believe you still work there. Hmm. Here's another approach to that. I think that one other perspective is, <clears throat> I think the open communication with your supervisor, absolutely, but always go into each year not expecting you're not going to get a raise regardless of reason. But if it happens, celebrate. celebrate. That's an accomplishment. As far as advocating for maybe an increase, that's where you just have to step out and be like, now I got to have a conversation like, hey, I'm appreciative, but is there a reason why a certain percentage wasn't met? Um, and I think that helps kind of give a buffer mentally and emotionally. So it kind of diffuses maybe some of the bitterness concern if you just go into it, not expecting it. However, like Rebecca said, I think if your supervisor's like, yeah, every year, you know, annually we give out raises and we're like, okay, then I can circle back around on that and then bring that up. But at the same point, I think there's like a mental, emotional health to that to be like, I'm not going to expect it, but if it happens, cool. But wouldn't you be expecting it? Again, if the supervisor said it, but, you know, if it doesn't meet the criteria. This is coming from a guy who every year when he gets a Christmas bonus acts completely shocked that he gets a Christmas bonus, even though it was something written into like his, the whatever system work that he would get a Christmas (laughs) bonus. He's like, what? Okay. That's the thing though. There's no guarantee with that. So you just have to kind of go into going, I'm not going to expect it. Jer- okay, so, I think you are the ideal employee for every sure. single employer. In my but, in my employment, unless there's something like a pandemic where they come out and let you know, like, hey, we're having to cut costs this sure. year. We're going yeah. to temporarily delay raises. We're not going to be able to give Makes the sense. 3% raise or whatever this year. I would be okay with that. But if they said every year you're going to get a 3% raise when I signed on and I don't get that 3% raise, we're definitely going to have a conversation of why that didn't happen. Sure. I think that lends a, definitely a conversation with your supervisor. I think it's really important to self-advocate yeah. for yourself there because I think if you don't say something, then of course they're not going. I mean, if you're not if you're not the squeaky wheel, they're not going to fix it. Hmm. So you have to be a squeaky wheel? Don't be a, a whiner and complainer <laughs> yeah, but just, about every little clarify. thing. But if it's something that's important like that... Yeah then yeah, I think you need to say something. You have value. And I think you're going to end up frustrated and not be as good of a worker as you could be if you're irritated with your your leadership supervisors, whatever. Okay, so in this situation, let's just assume the person hasn't mentioned anything and that this this was one of those things where they're like, oh, I guess we don't get raises. And then out of nowhere, their boss gives them a raise. Do they now 
do they just have to accept that or is it is it too late if for them to advocate for themselves like ever hey, say anything then you're gonna have to accept that dollar and wait they can't just be like uh this should year. actually be three dollars because you owe me some money <laughs> no if, if if that person didn't say anything the entire time this is just my opinion if they didn't say anything the entire time that's on that person accept the dollar and move on do better next time dang that's rough Regardless, I think I, open communication with your supervisor is always a positive thing. And it just challenges their thinking or even just maybe their higher ups that they have to report to on behalf of their team. It just overall communication improves. So is this person wrong for being bitter? I wouldn't say wrong. I think I think anybody is wrong or ungrateful, for being I should say. I, they didn't say they were bitter. They said they were ungrateful. Um uh, I hmm. think so because I think it's on them, but I already said that. Okay. But I think if you just, yeah, reciprocate a conversation, I think that's going to help buffer some of that ungratefulness because I think it's more of just a lack of clarity. Like, oh, this doesn't make sense. That's probably where that's coming from. Elvis Oop. is in the studio, by the way, and he just tried to sit I down and he couldn't kind sit of down. Like me off he guard. fell. It he doesn't... actually <laughs> fell on the table. He's half the size of this room. If we had a bigger <laughs> studio, I would be fine. But he's half the size of the room. Well, he either sits in here and breathes heavy or he scratches outside the door and barks. He could go outside. And bark outside our window. Does he even know that also, this window is where it is? he just got a bath, and so I don't want him to get muddy. Yeah, it's true. Like, I'm just he's saying, so clean and fluffy. If you don't hear him on this Friday's episode or next Tuesday's episode, <laughs> you know where he is. Nathan is uh, house-sitting and Elvis babysitting for us while we're gone in Thank Hawaii. You. It's very kind. And he will be doing yeah. the rest very of kind. the shows with Grant. Who I have not met yet. I've not you've, met. You've never met Grant? Never met. Really? Wait, hold on. No, Marion Tucker's reception. I did meet them at the church. Grant was Grant? at Marion Tucker's reception? Not in Colorado, but the one no. that was like the follow-up. Mm. I'm pretty sure Grant was there. I, mm. No, Devin was there. Grant's older brother. Oh, that's who it was. Yeah. Okay, I knew there was some sort of Grant connection. <laughs> yeah. For those <laughs> of you listening, I, I, I'm trying to like familiarize people with Grant because I feel like we mention him a lot and nobody actually knows who he it's is. part of the mystery. Um, he was my childhood best friend. N not your grown-up best friend, but... Well, no, that's Bradley. Um, okay. <laughs> anyway, so Grant and I go way back, um, and so that's who Grant is. He's also a radio person. That's true. Went to college for journalism and all that. He produces the morning show on KMBZ where I yes. work. Yes. So, anyway, that's who Grant Miller is, and... He's my good pal. I play video games with all the t with him all the time. All right, what's the next question? Well, okay. speaking of Are we relationships, done? did we answer all yeah. of that? I think, okay. Yeah, I don't. Just basically told him to suck it up, <laughs> get over it. Don't. Say something next time. Yeah, but now it's too late. You can't say anything this time. So tough luck. This year, but maybe next year. Maybe. Assuming they don't give him a raise next year. That's that's such a bummer, though. They. Think about the amount of money they're missing out on just because they didn't, didn't say, say anything. anything. Lesson learned. But like, can you, you at least you can you at least say, "Hey, why is this so personal to you, Nathan?" I, I'm, I just my brain keeps going back to it. All right. Do you have a similar situation? Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? You know, guys. Rebecca has not given me a raise in a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> um. But what? <sighs> Elvis. Are we ready to move on to the next question? <laughs> Where are your kids? Your kids are here. Yeah, they don't take care of Elvis. It's my dog. <laughs> All right, J.O.S., what's the next question? You're just talking about Grant, right? Childhood friendship, you know, longstanding relationships. Well, this next question that came in from a listener. <laughs> Okay, actually, it's really serious. Um, <laughs> oh. How do you restore a broken relationship? I had a bad relationship with my dad when I was younger, and it's practically non-existent now. And now that he's getting older, like, I want to make effort before he's no longer here. That's, like, super... Whoa. Whoa, that's, like, uh, that's a real question. Um, it's kind of that this relationship doesn't exist, but yet we're connected. That's a tough one. And whether you're 
you know, serving in the church or just in general having a conversation, this one's a hard one to approach because context and situations and the brokenness has different levels. But I think there's always something of great value when you can look at it in a redemptive way, meaning I would encourage this listener to start where, just to start somewhere, where that means just point of contact, initiating contact, letter, you know, phone, whatever, whatever way to just reach out. Uh, I think there's something to be said about the fact that this became important to you, even though it's been dormant or non-existent. Um, there's something, again, that you can take from that that brings value and something redemptive. And um, gosh, it's kind of hard to approach because sometimes there's barriers that doesn't really lend that kind of confidence um, in being able to approach when something's broken like that. Rebecca? Um I think it's important to take steps, which I think is kind of what Jay was just said, but um, starting somewhere of you need to reconcile your differences in making those first steps, whether it's forgiveness and, you know, once you do make contact, I think it's important to have a conversation of those things that you feel hurt you or, or hurt that other person. I think that conversation has to be there. And it can't be something that you continue to bring up over and over if you're going to have some restoration in that relationship. Like you can't repair it if you you keep bringing those offenses up. That conversation has to happen. Those things have to be forgiven in order for you to move on. Forgiveness is the biggest piece of that. Um, And that's not easy just to acknowledge because if you're deeply wounded, um, Forgiveness isn't necessarily the first thing that comes to mind. However, if you've taken time to really consider all the factors, involved, again, man, this there's this is pretty heavy. Um, I think Rebecca, you nailed it on the head. Was just the the forgiveness piece and whatever. But there has to be a conversation. Yeah, you can't be just like I, I forgive and then move that. on and you know, have that conversation. Do something big with that. You know, it's doing big things and and being able to ask for forgiveness or extend forgiveness is a really big thing. A lot of times we miss out on that in life because that's a huge piece of our makeup, you know, because we're broken people and we all carry our own baggage and our own things that happen. And sometimes we're just quick to be passive or pass the blame. Um, and one of the things we need to be better at is doing big things by rejecting passivity. And by doing that, it's taking initiative on your behalf and for that relationship. And again, I think it's something to be said about starting somewhere, but having that end game of coming to an agreement, hopefully centered around forgiveness. So, Go ahead. Um, You also have to think about your expectations, too, that you may not meet those expectations in the timeline that you want. And so you're going to have to take things in doses with a lot of patience and time in restoring that relationship because you're working with some messy stuff here. And like John Wesley said, there's so many factors that go into it. It's possible that you, the, the two of you in that restoration won't heal at the same time. Yeah. So how does that conversation even start? Like, do you, do you just like send him a text and like, Hey, remember that one time whenever you were a jerk? <laughs> I, you know, I whenever really I think kid, it depends on you. how, how you know. Okay. If you have any communication with that person, I think you start in the way that you have typical communication with that person. If you've had absolutely no communication with that person for a very long period of time, say like five, 10, 20 years, you've never talked to this person, then you're going to have to to communicate in the way you feel most comfortable. If you feel comfortable going and knocking on a door, then I think that's okay. If you feel comfortable making a phone call or sending a text or even a letter, I think whatever way you feel like you can make that first step because that first step is going to be really difficult and you just have you just have to go with what you're comfortable with sounds hard and if it's a text like hey you know this is i know this is out of the blue but i'd really like to to talk with you about something yeah there's a an open-mindedness that you have to go about it as well right yeah, I think that comes with the whole expectations. Yeah. Not having high expectations or mm-hmm. or a time frame. Yeah. So being a pastor shepherd is approaching things like this in life from a biblical worldview. It's it's understanding 
you know, that we're creating God's image and likeness. And even though we bear his image because of sin, we're broken. So that's the perspective approaching this. And um, so the counsel would be one is to be reconciled to God through Christ. Um, that's the first biggest step in all of this. And a lot of times... Wait, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Let's talk about what that means, because that yeah. sounds like a pretty big thing, to be reconciled to God. I know. Okay. I'm, I'm going to get to that. Okay. So one, what that simply means is that you're just going before God and you're, and you're just laying it before him. One, that you acknowledge him alone as sovereign God. Two, your part under his, um, just who he is. He's God. So when you give those things over simply saying, be in his presence with this request, like laying it down before him, saying, God, I trust you with it. I may not understand all factors involved. I'm really struggling. But the very fact alone of acknowledging the one true God of Scripture helps you be able to take steps, like Rebecca said, steps in that direction of being able to channel that kind of forgiveness that only God can give that we can't muster up. Um, and that's when I, you know, going back to the very beginning of this question, I'm talking about, man, all the different layers and, you know, factors involved, but really kind of that's in a nutshell, some basics of going before God, laying it before him, seeking him, and then going with what, you know, starting somewhere, taking steps in a redemptive way, meaning you have this person's best interest in mind. And for that, you want to reconcile, you want to make right, you want to do the best you can in the context of the brokenness and try and see it be somewhat restored, somewhat repaired. And that's really what that means. Um, but that's again, coming from a basis of that kind of counsel because it just, it's such a weight off your shoulders. It really alleviates a lot of the personal weight of just trying to fix it on your own. And because you're an image bearer of God that you bear his image, you know, that is the biggest piece of having his, having his control. And when he takes control in that way and you say, God, I just need your help with this, that's relenting those things. And he's going to show his power, his provision, as well as the process uh, to see things happen in which you, in a way that you, you hope to see happen. And that's to be restored. Hmm. That's good. I have nothing to add on to that. Oh. I and I use some it. big words in there. <laughs> so as a listener, if you're like, yeah, I don't know what that word was. I would love for you to just text us on the text line, 816-787-1511. Let us know, like, hey, you use this particular word. Uh, tell me more about that. Because, again, that's just it's just going off the top of my head, looking at these questions, and um, just trying to address it because there's just so many layers. But, hey, yeah. it's important to start somewhere and take steps. Yep. Guys, J-West has a master's in uh, okay. Bible. Well, <laughs> what, is the, what is the correct term? So at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, it was Masters in Divinity. Okay. I'm like, what is, what? Basically, <laughs> he knows a lot of things about biblical stuff. So this this show doesn't have to just be us talking about life issues. There could We could literally talk about just... Theological issues? Theological issues, or even... Sure. Not even issues. It could just be... An explanation, yeah, a like, question. I grew up under this framework of belief. Now I'm hearing more of this. Yeah, that yeah, really exactly. That. Yeah, you know, and it could just be quick stuff too, like yeah. explain the Trinity. How does that? <laughs> wow, <work? You laughs> oh my know, goodness, just quick and easy things. Like <laughs> sure, that, right. You know, when we to, moved to Kansas City in 2007, um, I think I encountered more people, more families who had a Catholic background, Roman Catholic background, just Catholicism in general. And it was not only eye-opening, but it really cultivated really deep conversations around theology, around doctrine. You know, it's your statement of faith. What do you really believe, your core values? And uh, those conversations brought a lot of gospel proclamation where people were like, I've never heard the gospel explained that way before because I had this system and framework of belief growing up, and I didn't know there was so much more to understanding scripture, understanding the Bible, and just having permission to read God's word for yourself, but also to have guidance. And it's super fun. Like whether someone had a, a Catholic background or Protestant background, there were like deep conversations and dialogue and um, mm -hmm. people got creative with that. And it just, the main thing was focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ and that and creating conversations that were meaningful and, and lifelong. Yeah. If you're so keeping those, if you're like me and you like absorb knowledge better through word of mouth, than you do through like reading. I could read theological book after theological book <laughs> and not understand any of it, even though it's perfectly explained to me until I ask somebody the question and have them explain it to me. Yeah. Or just 
Yeah. Uh, and I, I learn a lot. Like, uh, oh, hi, Elvis. Uh, through just like doing random research about stuff like mm-hmm. other religions and stuff. Mm-hmm. I took a class on that in Bible college, but like I, it's whenever it becomes a, a, a an actual situation that I'm run into. And then yeah. you start like, it's the practical questions that just pop up and, yeah. and you got to just ask the question. So if there's any, any theological explanations that you need or <laughs> anything like that, right. Well, and it kind of goes along with just what we talked about with brokenness and broken relationships. You're like, mm-hmm. why did we just delve into that for just a moment? A little segue. Well, it kind of, it goes back to, you know, what you believe determines what you do next. And it's important that you have a, a somewhat of a, hopefully a, a clear understanding of really what you believe. But if you, even if you're seeking, hey, that's great. You're seeking, you're trying to flesh things out. And if you're going for biblical guidance, that's that's great. That's 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 the place to start. Mm-hmm. And you know, surround yourself with other other believers, other Christians who are going to walk with you, help you figure that out. And you know, we all have to start somewhere with the Lord and how He grabs our attention. And the main thing is, it's about Christ and Him yep. alone. Um, so that's just another segue into that. Why we kind of bridge that. But man, love the reality of that question because all of us are facing brokenness in some shape, form, mm-hmm. or fashion. The one of the interesting things that. Um, has kind of become a realization to me just through life experience, which I'm only 24, so that life experience isn't exactly vast by any means. <laughs> but a lot of issues have underlining issues mm-hmm. that you don't fully realize or even understand until you start looking into the bigger issue or whatever. Sure. Um, and a lot of that comes from you might you might have an issue you ask a question regarding that and then something's brought up and then you start looking into to that and trying to understand that and then you realize oh actually there's a bigger problem here there's yeah. something deeper that you would have never even yeah. come to realize and so it's a learning experience and it's it's a healing experience too uh, a lot of that stuff is uh what's the word they happen at the same time yeah yeah anyway that's that's all. That's interesting. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> That's part of why we do it this. <laughs> yeah. All right. What's this? Uh, what's this oh next my question? Nathan, here we go. Another biggie uh, for people using online dating apps. This is a, this is a great question. Um, this uh, listener texted in and said, I've been thinking about using dating apps to find a girlfriend. How can I do this without ending up with a complete psycho? <laughs> ChristianMingle.com. <laughs> is it? Is that even possible um, using the app or finding finding somebody who is not ending up with a psycho? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yes and no, and I'm not going to tell you which answer has a yes and yeah. which uh, question has a no. I just broke another button on this shirt. This is the second Your one today. Your shirt is falling apart. <laughs> what the heck is going on? I'm getting too beefy, guys. <laughs> I'm on I'm on week four of this quarantine stuff. Anyway, I'm getting fat. Uh, using using dating apps, I stay away from them, but that's more because of the the connotation to them. I don't think using dating hmm. apps is bad okay. if you're using them to actually f- try to find a quote unquote soulmate, yeah. which. I don't really think a soulmate exists, but anyway, oh. regardless, um, that's that's neither here nor there. That's more of an opinion thing. But um, uh, I don't think using dating apps are bad. From what I've seen, I think people don't really use dating apps to begin relationships very often. You always hear the stories of like I met my wife on Tinder, but <laughs> man, <laughs> I don't I don't think people are really using tinder to to find somebody uh to begin a relationship with yeah that being said i'm i'm sure there are dating apps exactly for that reason so i would first start there as far as not finding a psycho i think you have just as much of a chance of finding a psycho on a dating app as you do (laughs) um Mm-hmm. in church <laughs> or, or it, anywhere that can else happen. Sure. in your youth group or, you know, whatever. Um, that's, that's what the dating process is for though. It's, it's a vetting process for, are we compatible? Mm-hmm. Is this person a psycho? Can I deal and with your their psycho psychotic? might be somebody else's perfection. Exactly. <laughs> so it's right. not whether or not 
you're going to find a psycho. It's whether or not you can find a psycho that you can tolerate <laughs> and that can tolerate you. Secret life of Walter Mitty kind of comes to mind. He's just really wrestling, making that next step or commitment and using the online. That's just, I don't know. He only, he only, okay, Walter Mitty only joined the <laughs> online thing because he knew the girl he liked was on it and he wanted sure. to try to connect with her. Which and- is a great play. <laughs> I commend Walter for that. Like he but was he worked categorizing. with her. Yeah. He worked in the same building as her. I th- he could have just had a conversation. With, okay. Anyway, that's a fictional situation. Uh, they they ended up getting together. So what, it worked. But I think not it through speaks, the dating app, though. Well, in our culture, I think that what it bring, brought to light was if you really think about the apps and what they try to help do is compartmentalize what you're really either seeking or wanting to know about the other person without having to really just start from ground zero. It's almost like, hey, here's some um, here's some heads up of the, about this person and now you should know and make a better informed decision. It's almost like the time frame just gets crunched. Like you don't have to do as much effort through this, you know, using the app. Well, yeah. dating apps, you know, it's like, is this person hot or not? And that's kind of where Swipe it right. becomes this mental game. Okay, so yeah. then you're like, yeah, I like how this person looks and you start building a catalog of people that looks good and then you start filtering out the sure. the psychoness level. <laughs> is that is that shallow? To that's one of the things I was going to share. Yeah, I think that attract like you thinking the other person attractive is attractive is is natural. Like I think that's the first person that or the first thing that draws you to somebody. Usually. So you don't think it's shallow? I don't think so. I think if the only reason what why you were with that person is because you thought that they were attractive. That's shallow. Mm-hmm. But I think that that is the first thing that draws you to somebody is okay. Mm. Okay. I mean, I've known people that I didn't think were attractive in the beginning, but then after I got to know them and really liked like their personality, which sounds really bad. Like they have a really great personality, <laughs> but you know, sometimes you meet those people yeah. whose personality is so amazing it doesn't matter what they look like. They become attractive to you. Yeah. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> it's like magnetic, you know, you just kind of look past and then you brought up a good point. Is that shallow? And I think there's a point in the relationship as, you know, the art of dating or, you know, f- figuring out the, not just compatibility, but companionship. You just, you start looking past the shallowness of our frailty um, because we're just broken and you start going, I really care about this the person beyond this of our frailty. It's full pastor mode. Just let him go. I'm just saying like that. And you speak in real words. It is real. I'm done. Rebecca, just kidding. You, you said before this, just, um, this is just the way he talks. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, it doesn't mean that I don't roast him. You married the guy. Th- that's why our relationship is so great. Is Thank you. Because we just roast there each other is. all the time. And we don't think it's ser- uh, like we don't take it serious. Because we go we beyond think the it's shallows. funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh but no seriously relationship isn't shallow there it is and you start figuring that out and you can look past yeah my goodness the book ecclesiastes talks about that so in depth um as a biblical you know basis for that but in in, in all of that i think there's a caution with any kind of dating app because you can set yourself up for failure really quick if you don't go into it already having not just not unrealistic expectations but just why are you on the app? What expectations do you have? And are you okay with the process? Just, yeah. Yeah. The, the statistics say that um, the amount of people that are looking for a significant other on dating apps mm-hmm. has risen significantly, sure. oh, especially really? during the pandemic. Yeah. I would say 70%. Okay. Sorry, I did a story on dating apps. Today. I see there you go. You have the advantage. You got the, you got I also the could tell you how many people experience domestic abuse through dating apps. Oh. I'm not laughing at domestic no, abuse, no, just that I know the statistics. But, but that goes along with the whole finding a psycho thing. Yeah, 30% of people experience um, some sort of domestic abuse violence through dating apps, such as yeah. threats and being called okay. nasty names. Yeah. So with that being said... Uh-huh. What are the other options? I would ask what you enjoy doing. Playing video games. Okay, but that's that's an option. So you can meet somebody. You ever seen gamer girls? Video games. The question is, do you want your significant other to be a gamer? 
Ooh. Do you want them to play games with you? So I or should... Or is this something that you just want to do with your guy friends and you want to uh, have a whole nother life with your significant other that's not gaming? So, okay, so what you're saying is I should... So what you're saying is I should hang around like a laundromat? <laughs> Maybe <laughs> take some culinary classes? Do you like doing laundry? <laughs> no, but okay. I want to date somebody who does. Yeah, no. Eh? I'm saying let's find something that you both have in common. Got some common ground. Because because yeah. in the relationship, you never want somebody, like, you don't want to be interested in so many different things that you never do anything together or you never enjoy doing anything yeah. together. Because if you're going to a laundromat to meet that person because they love doing laundry and that's all they want to do, then you're never going to be wanting to hang out with them because all they want to yeah. do is laundry. Yeah. <laughs> So Shoot. I'm saying, like, if you're if you're athletic, you mm -hmm. like to work out, the gym might be a good place to meet somebody. Yeah. If you really like, I don't know, art, going to like an art class of some sort might be a good place to meet somebody. Church might be a good place to meet somebody. Um, a college ministry might be a good place to meet somebody. If you really like shopping. Go to the mall. Like, <laughs> what? My son it's Zach doesn't seem list. to have a problem meeting people walking through the mall. <laughs> he hasn't gotten a girlfriend yet from that, but he's also not looking for a girlfriend right now. Oh, okay. He's just looking. <laughs> uh, all right. How did you, what did, where did you guys meet? My mom. Yeah. <laughs> God, oh, that's why did right. you ask that question? Rebecca's My mom, mom sent me up with her set me up with him because she didn't like the guy I was dating. I was yeah. still in high school. Yeah. Anybody you I meet like college. that's your significant other is usually from your school or mm -hmm, at, mm -hmm. I would go to dance clubs on the weekends. And so I would meet people there sometimes, Gosh. but it's actually probably where I was dating somebody from was the dance club. Also probably why my mom didn't like him and <laughs> tried to set me up with somebody different. Yeah. That's probably good Expectations. call. Good call, Julie. It was a teen dance club. Not saying that was, that good things happen there. I'm just okay. Anyway, you slapped a guy. Not there promoting. Once. No, it, no. It was a guy I met there that also went to my oh. school that I slapped at school in front of everybody because <laughs> he not in the said face. something not very cool. Yeah. Anyway, that was actually kind of a proud moment. Yeah. No. Yeah, I mean, uh -huh. kind of started your MMA career. You know. Right. That <laughs> launched it. Right. Realized how much I liked aggression. Roof. Hurting people. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so my mom was the secretary at his chiropractor's office, and she was mm -hmm. like, you're cute, and you seem really well, nice. Mm, I was like, uh... So she wait. stole his picture out of his file, which I'm pretty sure broke HIPAA regulations. Which didn't exist yet. I think they I did. And I think she's the reason those regulations exist. Probably. <laughs> brought his picture home, and I was like, eh, he's okay. And then um, I needed a date to a dance, and I was desperate, so I called him. Know your expectations. So I... <laughs> 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 there we go. 21 years later. Isn't that great. <laughs> wow. Still keeping expectations low. <laughs> <laughs> we went for Hawaii in one day. <laughs> so I love having these conversations because I know you got to be laughing. If you're not, Reason we are. Really so great. <laughs> I remember that moment when your mom was just like trying to do all this work and just how to get her to introduce you to me and. I was just laughing, like, is this really happening? This lady is setting me up with her daughter. Oh my gosh. And it was just kind of fun though. Like there was a sense of She showed you a picture that. of me too. Yeah, and I was like, Okay, yeah, she's really cute. See, and she's like, Okay, I'll have her call you from the beginning. So and that's uh, yeah. And I think there's something a terrible picture of me too. I look I like still remember, the good I still witch <laughs> in a bad way. <laughs> You're roasting yourself. Why are you doing that? <laughs> I was telling oh my, my daughter gosh. a story this week because awesome. she was she's been having some issues with like any time that she has a friend that's a yeah. guy, then he starts liking her and she's like, No, I just wanna be friends with you yeah. and and so anyway, that that's been a struggle. Hopefully none of them listen to this. But um If they are bug off, um, just be friends. Anyway, I never I never had that problem in high school. Like I was like, can somebody please take interest in me? Ooh. And so I I always was so envious of the girls who had that issue 
like, why are you complaining about all these guys liking you? Like, I just want one guy to take interest in me. And then I told her there was one guy. There was one guy that took interest in me. He always wore a Joker hat and had really bad body odor. And so I took him in as a project to help him. And then he ended up liking me. And I was like, dang it, no. Why is this the one? And then I said, and she goes, but you met dad. And I was like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah, I met him. And I was like, I guess this is as good as it's going to (laughs) get. Oh, man, we just invited everyone to, like, a part of our family story. <laughs> so awesome. All right. So moving on. <laughs> Speaking of relationships. I would encourage you to get your get to know your future mother-in-law very, very quickly. Oh, that's a good call. <laughs> what if she's insane, though? Oh, she's insane. The woman okay, you know married is probably going to be insane eventually, too. When I used to write blogs for my former ministry. You wrote blogs. You wrote yeah. blogs. Isn't that funny? <laughs> Go ahead and laugh. It's it's because uh, I'm laughing. But I remember writing that my mother-in-law, and I've already told her this. Even hold to on, her this face, wasn't a blog. This was your profile I was like, on the. She is the, the most interesting woman I've ever. Most interesting, like most outlandish stories, career choices. I mean, just yeah, it was like something. She's like, I can speak to that. I'm like, okay. <laughs> it was just so funny. <laughs> so, Julie, if you're listening, lots of props. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of toxic relationships. <laughs> That's a transition. Um, this person. Wait, I do that. <laughs> this person says. No, you don't. I have a friend in a toxic relationship who keeps going back. How do I call her out without hurting our friendship? Oh, man. Okay, we've all Call her friend, out or right? call her out of the relationship? Both. Like saying, hey, you keep doing yeah. this or saying, hey, stop it. Okay, I've seen Come this here. happen so many times. Times. Was it in the mirror? Somebody in a toxic relationship oh, and you know they're in a toxic relationship. You don't understand how they don't know they're in a toxic relationship, but it continues on. <laughs> Why are you looking at me like I'm Nothing. in a toxic relationship? I'm not looking at you like you're in a toxic relationship. I love you both, and I know you're not in a toxic relationship. <laughs> okay. Um. But it's a really sensitive thing to call that person out because they are 100% convinced they're not in a toxic relationship and that this person is the love of their life and yeah. is completely wonderful. But but as your friend, and I'm assuming that they are a close friend because you should be a close friend if you're going to call the person out on this. It's true. Um, you do need to have a heart-to-heart, and I don't think posting on their Facebook and saying mm, your relationship is on. toxic is going to be the right move. I think you need to invite them to have a conversation with you where you're going to sit down just the two of you and maybe not approach it with, I think you're in a toxic relationship, yeah. but um, maybe ask questions. And Jay West, you're better at the whole like counseling thing <laughs> and walking people through that. But if I was sitting down with a friend of mine then I would ask them questions about how they're doing and how's the relationship going. And I saw that you posted this the other day on Facebook. Do you want to tell me more about that? And then, then I think I would start saying like, do you think maybe that is leading to this or how does that make you feel? Do you think that that's communicating love when somebody makes you feel like that or, you know, yeah, I, I would slowly walk them through the process and hope that, through me asking questions yeah. that they would be like, Ooh, maybe I'm in a toxic relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. A lot of the time, it, uh, a lot of the time you're not the first person to call them out and it's just that they have to make the decision themselves. And so bringing that up to them and making them ask those questions, that's, that's usually a pretty good strategy. I think that you just suggested. Thanks. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> there's but. a verse in proverbs um if you're wondering reference proverbs 27 it says that wounds from a friend can be trusted but an enemy multiplies kisses um doesn't so sound you too should bad. not make out with your friend when you're telling them that they're in a toxic relationship it's with exactly else. right um okay. so stop being superficial it's basically what that's saying but it's saying just be real and speak the truth in love like they can trust you to give the healthy pushback like 
I'm going to tell you right now, based on what you just told me, you're in a toxic relationship and I'm concerned for you. And let me tell you why. And you do it from the basis of love, but you do do like Rebecca talked about. You take steps with people. You said do do. <laughs> what did I say? Do do. But you do do. That. No, what you do <laughs> you is said, you do do. Okay, whatever. <laughs> so you just walk with people like that, but you you care for them. You start from the get go. Always care for the person. Identify the concern, and then boom, bring up the action plan. And sometimes. Again, it's kind of going back to that first question tonight is doing hard things. And that is the wounds from a friend can be trusted. Like you're speaking to them with love and you're speaking also with counsel. Like you're just letting them know, like, this is not going to benefit you. It's not going to benefit the relationship you're in and just really approach it from caution. It's not like you disregard them, you know, mm -hmm. and that, even though it may be difficult to do, um, but the outcome will be in their favor. And that's what you have to get to and remind is like, that may feel like a wound in the moment, kind of like, well, I guess if your supervisor's like, actually, I need to talk to you about some things. And you're like, oh, that feels really difficult to absorb. But really, they're speaking to you to correct that, to help better you in your role, not to disregard you or displace you. It's just, I care for you. And so even though people aren't always expecting that kind of guidance or counsel, it's, it's meant to just help. Is it worth risking your friendship to bring that up? If you think that this is this is this could cut ties, is it worth it? I think it's important that you can voice that and say, my heart today is to not take what you might think as severing our friendship. And then of course you'd be like, What do you mean? It's like there's just some things I'm really concerned about. Like I care for you. Like I don't know. That sounds kind of alarming to start a conversation. I know. That's like the that. thing is you gotta just ask really intentional questions because you care so for So maybe them. you follow up with that and I know. Or you should you see start how it with goes. that? I think okay. it's it's always, like you said, it could be a little bit alarm if you're like... Yeah, if somebody sits down and they're to... like, my intention is not to end our friendship right now, then I'm automatically on I the mean, defense. Yeah, you say it like that, you just what? put What? Okay, can we just yeah. end it right here? Because I'm sure this is going to end with us not being friends anymore. Yeah. I, I almost disagree with that, but that's on a personal... Like, I know I wouldn't respond well to that. Yeah. Like, I... Not in... Not... It, like in uh, 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 uh. you got it, yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Not in the premise of like a relationship. I haven't been in one in a while, <laughs> but I have had. Uh, thanks. <laughs> um, I have had like moments where a close friend has been like, "All right, listen, like I know this is going to be hard for you to hear, but we need to talk about this." And I usually don't walk away from those going, "Wow, they really care about me." I'm usually like, "What the freak, like." <laughs> really that's what you think about me um but it's it's the times where it's more of like a it's i don't know this might just be me personally and i know that not everybody's brain works the same but it they almost have to like ease into it a little bit because i have been in a toxic Approach. relationship and the things that have you? i have actually uh one out of one of my relationships have been toxic. <laughs> I have a really good record with I'm that. I'm not laughing because that's funny. I'm just, uh -huh. yeah. No, no, it's fine. It's, We're not, it's in the past. Just, just just the uh, okay. It's in the past. You know, healing has happened. But anyway. Um, that's a good phrase. Healing has happened. Healing. You're welcome to use it. I just need some royalties anytime okay. you use it. Um, but during those toxic relationships, like I said, the way my brain works is... I have to make the decision myself, but it was those friends who always showed that they cared yeah. and they, they might bring up things they might ask questions, but they were never like, uh, there may have been once or twice where they were like, why are you still with that person? And they might bring up stuff, but they were never like, you need to break up. There was, there was never them basically commanding me to do anything. It was, them bringing up questions, kind of getting my mind working. And then it was during the times whenever I wasn't around them that you start making comparisons of this person I'm in a relationship with is being really toxic. These friends are being the exact opposite of toxic. They're being very loving and accepting. Who do I want to listen to more in these situations? And I think that depending on the person, that could be really useful Again, everybody's brain works differently. You know your friend better than I do, so that's just me personally, but I'm a stubborn individual who thinks I know better than everybody. <laughs> <laughs> 
So hard headed. All of those play into this kind of conversation. Um, I think the approach of the person who's going to have that conversation with the said person in toxic relationship needs to be from a framework like their approach has got to be well thought through because mm-hmm. man, it can really fracture quickly. And bring uh, food that usually helps. Yeah. I mean, yeah, food, coffee, something that just kind of helps. It's that tangible expression of like the high hopes of it going better than you may feel when you're being talked to or questions asked. Uh, I think in ministry that that's really difficult with people because obviously when people are going through real circumstances and life just is what it is for them in that moment, they may not see the future goal, the future outcome of what can be that's to benefit them or benefit the relationship. And so when they're like, you know, seeking counsel and it may not be the counsel they're expecting, that's really deflating at times. Even as a minister, you're like, I know what you're hearing is super discouraging, but if you can just stick with me and stick with this plan, man, there's great things ahead of you. And it's, it's hard because they're walking in their world. This person's on the outside of it and they're going to speak to that. That doesn't have the connection. And there's like this chasm that exists. That's really hard to find a bridge. And it, it really is super delicate in how you approach it. Because anytime you hear the word toxic, you just go, Oh man, this is going to be tough. Mm-hmm. Okay. Another question with this. Um, it, okay. I've found that when you give somebody a time frame, like, Hey, you need to get out of this relationship right now. Cut yeah. ties by Saturday. Or yeah, mm-hmm. if somebody had said something like that to me, then I would no longer go to that person for yeah. advice. Mm-hmm. And I have found if I've ever tried to do that, 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 that hasn't ended well. However, I do understand also setting some time frames and hey, you want to set goals type thing. But yeah, I think tell me if I'm right or wrong. Should you avoid setting those time frames when you're when you're walking a friend through that? I think time frames are okay based on the circumstance. I think the severity of how toxic the relationship may be. Like there's like outward visible signs or concerns or even just the fact that there's a repetitious behavior that's showing up where they're just disconnecting from life. Like, oh my gosh, like, hey, I'm going to check in on you in three days and here's what I'm hoping to hear from you. Like that would be appropriate. Okay, like you checking in on them, but telling them you have to make this decision on this date. I think it's more appropriate that the person extending the time frame need to take it a step further so they don't just say, hey, this is on you now and you need to do something about because that's such a turnoff. People will just be like, uh-uh, I'm not going to do it. And that's, for whatever reason, that is just such a wall. And I think that the checking in is a better step than just trying to say, hey, by Saturdays needs to stop. Whoa, okay, hold on. Let's let's back up a second. Let's get some clarity here. But if you'll follow up with them, you'll have a better outcome. Cool. What do you think about have asking somebody else to have the conversation? Let's say you know that you're not the person. So sorry about Elvis. um, You know you're not the person that your friend is going to take advice from, Mm -hmm. but you know somebody else they will take advice from better. Let's say like they're really good at taking advice from their family. Their family is super close, and so rather than coming to the to your friend yourself, is it okay to say to their sibling like, "Hey, I noticed your brother or sister are." in this relationship or whatever, have you talked to them about it? Can you talk to them? Or is that just gossip? No, I see what you're saying. Like, I think it's totally situational, but I could see, you know, in some families like you, they might have a sibling that's like really close to them Mm -hmm. and that they would probably receive that information so much better from that sibling than coming from you. And so I think it's totally okay to to say, as long as you're not giving all new information that was given to you, yeah. trusted that you keep it, I think it's okay. If it, this is just general information that people know, I think it's totally okay to go to somebody that yeah. you feel is on a closer level than you to say, I think that's a really would good, you be willing to bring this up or, or talk with them about this? That's a good example. I've faced that in ministry. I know we face it in ministry. is like, we'll have someone say, you just need, you just need to talk to him, pastor. You, just, you need to talk to him. Okay. And then all of a sudden this person who needs to be talked with kind of feels like they're being handed off. Um, That's awkward in itself because it's almost like the person who should be walking with them is just more like, uh, I don't have time for you is how that communicates, whether they see that or not. And usually one of the first things that I would ask someone in ministry over the years has just been like, so tell me a little bit about why we're sitting here. Um, Is anybody else aware 
of what's kind of going on, like kind of bring me into your world without them feeling like they just been handed off because most of the times in those context conversations is like, they're super deflated. Like they're just like, they're not worth anybody's time. Like they lost value. And I've tried to pick up on that with people like who's walking with you. Was it anybody? And it's like, so what, how, how much room can I speak to this that might involve that person that actually reached out to me to now involve me? You know, it's like, do I really have permission from you or that kind of thing? It's, it's, it's really delicate. I feel like that's a little bit of a different situation. It than might what be, Nathan but was just bringing I know. up. It's fine. We're just addressing <laughs> But it's this, this extra layer that exists. And at times it can just be yeah, super discouraging. Yeah. Nathan, I think it's okay to ask somebody else yeah. that's closer okay. to step in. Cool. As long as there's like a permission that's given, you know, cause like you said, gossip, really want to stray from that. When people start feeling like they're being talked about, it's like, oh man, there's mental layers that start going into them. All right, we have five minutes. Do we want to try to cram in another question or call that good? Let's finish up with this one. I've been a Christian for most of my life, but I've lost my desire to read the Bible. I feel like I've heard it all, you know? Like I have no desire and people would consider me a good Christian. So have you ever felt like this? I think it's a good way to close out because I think, um, yeah, I think we've all felt mm-hmm. to a degree, um, whatever we're going through in life, like, yeah, I don't know. I'm good. It's just kind of passive. <laughs> yeah. During that time where you don't feel like reading your Bible, do yeah. you still do it or do you find some other way to consume spiritual text and encouragement? I have found times in my life where – I stop reading the Bible and don't find any other way to consume anything at all. You just go like dark. completely just nah, I don't feel like it anymore. Kind of felt like a cloud. Yeah. It was like I mean, hovering. I've talked about this before oh, yeah. mm-hmm. where I went, you know, where I was like, you know what, I'm not going to read it until I desire to read it again. And like I said, that wasn't like I'm not I'm not suggesting that that's it's what you should you do. At. It's just yeah. where I was at at the time. Yeah. And I did desire to read, to pick up the word and read again. But yeah, that's just my personal situation. I was at a conference in Texas a few years back, David Platt, who wrote the book called Crazy Faith. And um, he was just basically saying, guys, I was, I've been on tour. I've been speaking constantly. I've been all over the world speaking. And he goes, I'm just gonna be real with you. Like, even with what my calling is and what I do as a pastor and speaker and all this, I wrote, I write books. He's like, honestly, guys, I haven't been in the word like in months. If I'm just going to be real with you, I just, I haven't been in the word. And it was just such like a, a resounding moment of like everybody in the room was like, kind of like, Oh, you're David Platt. But then they're also like, Oh, he gets it too. Like I'm feeling at times where we feel disconnected from our faith or disconnected from reading God's word. And we're just like kind of floundering and we don't want to admit it. Well, he just like admitted in front of thousands. He's like, Hey, I get it. And the big thing is confronting it and getting after it, you know, confessing it to the Lord, boom, and trying to get back on track. But also he basically approached taking steps, give yourself some steps, something attainable, something realistic. When Nathan talked about, you know, do you start consuming other media to, Mm -hmm. to try to spur that or something? Um, there has been other times where like I've gotten off track with like, man, I just don't feel like picking it up and reading it right now where I may watch something that gives me, that feeds me in some way, you know, whether it's pastor Michael Todd with transformation church, because it's definitely something I really enjoy watching, um, that he might spur something where it starts me on track with something like, Hey, I need to. I'm going to read further in that. I really like what he was saying about that. And sometimes that just launches it. Excuse me. I need to apologize to everyone listening who's now yelling at their speakers. Like, you didn't write Crazy Faith. That's Francis Chan. David Platt wrote the book Radical, <laughs> which was around the same time Ooh, frame as Crazy so Faith. I was so about Radical. To we I know. I saw it in letters. Nathan's eyes. He's like, you misspoke, Jay West. <laughs> but no, uh, Radical. He was talking about that. There we go. Cool. Radical. Radical by David Platt. Whoa. Ooh-ooh. So, uh, in 30 seconds or less, I'll give you, I'll give you 45 seconds. Okay. Now 30 seconds because I (laughs) used up 15 seconds trying to explain that. How do you get back into reading after, after having those, uh, those downtimes? I just explained mine. Yeah. Uh, I reached out to a fellow brother in Christ to say, uh, dude, kind of struggling. Would you pray for me to get back into the word more consistently? Accountability. Yeah. I have no such weakness, so I uh, <laughs> read the Bible. I read the whole Bible every single day, and I love every second Damn, of it. Getting it, yeah. 
No, I, 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 I just find a different medium <laughs> to absorb it. Um, like Rebecca said, I watch preaching, yep. I listen to music, and sometimes just hang out with a friend, go get coffee or something. Yeah. You don't even have to talk about spiritual stuff. But being around another brother in Christ, yes. sometimes it's enough. Hey. Sometimes you're the only Bible people need to read. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, now you're she's All right. <laughs> lingo <laughs> all right anyway thank you guys so much for listening for all those who sent questions if thank you have you. questions 816-787-1511 is the number to text uh, but until then rebecca jos what a joy a good it's been trip. fun oh yeah can we document that you get elvis if i die nope nathan's taking elvis hey oh and in case i don't see you good afternoon good evening and good night <laughs>